Welcome to Managing Marketing and today I'm in Singapore having a conversation with Joe Pullis who's the Festival Director at Spikes Asia. Welcome Joe. Thank you very much Darren. Actually, Great to see you. Welcome. It should be welcome me. Thank you for having me in your office. As we say in Singapore, Salamat to Tang. Right. Does that mean you're welcome? Means welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Um, this is, uh, how long have you been now the Festival Director? I delivered my first festival last year. Um, I came on board around about this time a year ago. Um, so um, I've been on board for a year. I've got my second festival coming up in September this year. But I kind of feel like I have been associated with Spikes for a lot longer than that because previous to actually coming on board as the festival director, I was the um, uh, official rep for Canline and Spikes Asia for about 10 years when I worked at News Corp. Of course. I was going to say, because uh, you you don't have a career as a festival director. You're not a professional uh, long-term festival director, are you? No, my background is all um, uh, marketing, predominantly B2B and um, and trade marketing in the um, advertising space. Yeah. So the way that I came into this business was um, being the festival rep for Australia um, for, for Canline and Spikes and had a very close relationship with Jerry Savage who was uh, then the, the chairman of Can and also based in Australia. So I've been... Well, because he, he, he did the same thing. He was uh, Val Morgan and was the representative for Australia on Can and, uh, and ended up being the chairman of the whole shooting match. Yes, exactly. And uh, Terry and I are quite similar in that um, before I came on board as Festival Director for Spikes Asia, I also came out of cinemas so i was the director of sales for um, event cinemas in australia um, so there's off quite often a comparison drawn between terry and i and our career paths into festivals so you're not mini me are you you're not a mini terry because there's definitely differences between the two of you but i'm much better looking than terry <laughs> but also one of the things that is similar that i've noticed is you both have a passion for creativity and especially creativity in advertising is, do you think some of that is uh, having worked in cinema? Because it's probably one of the biggest advertising canvases that uh, a creative person can have. And there's no doubt that cinema advertising is you know, the ultimate format for creativity, um, particularly because of the length um, of a spot in a cinema and also the size of the screen, the sound. Um, you know, that is very attractive to um, brand advertisers who uh, you know want to create this um, amazing ultimate TVC? Um, obviously, the audience reach is is not great, but definitely, um, you know, there's some great opportunities in cinema advertising to 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 do some amazing things creatively. Mm. And also because you can cherry pick a particular type of audience with cinema. I mean, um, titles and things like that. You can follow those and uh, and pick up a, an audience that can often be hard to reach or hard to engage because you'd have to say the cinema experience is all about immersing yourself and being open to that experience isn't it yeah and i think you know with cinema um uh, advertisers are finding that is a great way to connect with millennials 
um, that they can't connect with uh, with um, on on TV. Um, and film also gives um, great social currency. People love talking about you know, the latest films and, and films that they've seen in cinema. I think you know, focusing on that cinema experience, you can um, really connect with an audience, that hard-to-get audience. Mm. But uh, we're not here to talk about uh, cinema. Let's no. talk about creativity. What do you see as the role today? Because, you know, the, the days of the TV ad or the cinema ad uh, seems to have been usurped a little bit with the fact that there's so many channels now, and especially digital channels. Does that fundamentally change the role of creativity in, in advertising? I think it does. And I think, you know, the last few years we've seen um, a shift away from uh, that importance of um, creativity as people have looked as brands have looked to short-term investments um, across digital platforms um, they have I think had less of a focus on creativity but I think um, brands have also been punished because they haven't got the results um, they've got short-term results but their long-term um, brand metrics have not been as strong because they haven't invested in the creativity to support um, the brand and there's certainly been some great examples of that um, particularly in China in the beauty space where brands have moved all of their focus into short-term investment and short-term um, ROI yeah. and away from long-term branding um, and you know they've really fallen um, uh, from the number one spot down to you know number 13 there's plenty of examples of that um, because they haven't invested in their brand and invested in creativity I think when I look at the NPS scores of festivals like Cannes Lion, you know, they have dropped in previous years as people have been trying to figure out the whole digital um, disruption and the new landscape that, that digital has delivered. But I think you know, last year at Cannes Lion, we had the highest NPS score ever for right. the festival as people understand um, the value of creativity and the ROI that they can drive from investment in creativity. And that's, I think part of that is a very deliberate or what appears to be quite a deliberate strategy of moving the focus away from just being a celebration of creativity for the creators and actually engaging the brands and, and advertisers, marketers a lot more into the festival because the um, Khan especially is, is getting a bigger um, part of the audience are the advertisers, isn't it? That's right. Um, and we're seeing a similar uplift uh, with Spikes Asia as well. More and more marketers are trying to understand how they become more creative and how they uh, build a more creative environment um, or, or creative um, culture within their businesses because they understand the power of creativity to drive results. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for years, marketers have been um, uh, uh, hammered by CFOs to reduce spends and agency headcount costs um, because you know they can't prove ROI. Yep. What we've got now is brands that are realising the power of creativity to drive ROI of up to twelve times uh, their investment in creativity. And there's plenty of examples from McDonald's and. Um, uh, Coca-Cola and Google are now um, looking at uh, the value of, of creativity and the business of creativity to provide to um, to drive those commercial returns. 
brands like Heineken um, have built a whole language around um, creativity and the investment in creativity and how they value creativity internally to drive better outcomes. That's, uh, that's such a great initiative as well because I think one of the things, you know, there was a time when creativity was this sort of almost mystical black box and to actually have a language, a, a way of being able to talk about it is really important because it allows the marketers to participate in a positive way rather than sort of, uh, you know, often they're reduced to, oh, I don't like that or, you know, why are you doing that? That's right. And the, the, the Heineken ladder, as they call it, um, uh, shifts the focus from a personal um, description or, or a personal um, conversation about a particular piece of creative to give everybody a common language mm. um, to talk about creativity and how creativity is judged internally. Um, I think you know brands like McDonald's have looked at um, their award-winning campaigns versus their non-award-winning campaigns and looked at the ROI for those products um, in the campaigns that have won awards. And the ROI is up to 100 times greater than the non-award-winning work. Similarly, um, you know, coming back to the Heineken example, looking at their share market performance um, in the years when they had all of their um, amazing award-winning work, it's it's reflected in the uplift in the share market. They've had their, their most record years in the years that they've won creatively and they've had some fantastic wow. campaigns um, in market. So that's either because the advertising sold a lot more beer or the investors... Uh, loved the ads and it got them excited and they bought, <laughs> paid more for the shares. In the case of Heineken, it's, uh, it's directly volume? impacted on the volume of sales. So yeah. the, the creatively awarded work has delivered more effective campaigns that have sold and moved more product, which in turn has, drifted, has, has driven the share price, which is fantastic. And yet it's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, back last century when I was working as a creative person, creative director and copywriter, it, one of the big uh, frustrations for creative people is that clients didn't seem to have the courage to support creativity, and I think it's probably still a, an issue now. Yet, uh, you know, one of the things that you've been doing with Spikes and at Khan is having Advertiser of the Year, isn't it? Is that to recognise their contribution to supporting or encouraging creativity? I think uh, bravery um, has got a lot to do with it. You know, brave clients, um, you, you know, you can't do good work without um, brave clients and clients that are willing to take the risk. The um, advertiser of the year or creative marketer of the year, as it's now known, um, directly rewards brands that have won awards um, across uh, a number of award shows. So it's not just about, uh, you know, who do we like or who's the bravest advertiser. It comes down to, who has um, delivered um, the most award-winning work for their brand um, in the last 12, uh, 12 months, two years? Um, last year it was Google, um, and they interesting choice. Very interesting choice, but you know they have um, invested in creativity, um, and you know they've they've had some fantastic campaigns, um, and you know I think when a <clears throat> very analytic data-driven business like Google... Well, it's um, an engineering company, let's be honest. ...is investing in creativity <laughs> and, is, and can prove the value of creativity. Yeah. I think, um, you know, the case is very well fought of, um, you know, the, the business of creativity. Yeah. 
You know, it's obviously co-creation, isn't it? You know, while the actual creative inspiration often happens in one person's mind, to make that idea actually evolve and flourish into something that really gets the, you know, the audience's attention and changes behaviour, takes a whole group of people to really support it, don't they? Yeah, it does. It doesn't come down to any one person in an organisation or an agency. It comes down to... Um, you know, a combination and a collaboration internally um, and, you know, great working relationship with your client and also with the agency. Mm. Now, one of the other things that's obviously happened over the last 10 years is the rise of technology. I mean, technology is impacting every part of, of life. Um, obviously, that just means, do you think that means new channels of ways of expressing creativity or does it bring about new creativity? Um, interesting question. I, th- I think it's, it's both, but I think it changes the way we think about creativity. You know, if you look at a theme like storytelling, um, which used to be very easy on traditional mediums like TV um, and, and print um, and cinema, you know, one of the things that we're looking at with um, Can and also Spikes this year and all of our content programs is what is the evolution of storytelling and what does storytelling mean in the digital age? Because mm. I, I just remember, um, and I can't remember how long ago, but there was a, a pizza company and the agency came up with the idea of a button on the fridge that you could pre-program with your mobile phone to have your favourite pizza order and, you know, everything was set up so that when you wanted a pizza to be delivered, you just had to push the button and it would send an order and then you'd get a text message, an SMS to confirm that you did actually place it. So, you know, in your drunken stupor, you didn't just accidentally fall against the fridge and it would deliver it. And, And that's actually totally technology creativity because it's not really storytelling it's more about application and utility yeah but it goes to the very heart of solving a marketing yeah. problem which is how do i get a greater share of the of market i make it easier for my customers to be able to order my product more often yeah and, and undoubtedly technology has delivered some great creative solutions for um for brands and it it is definitely an enabler but it's about how do you marry technology and creativity to connect with consumers better or make it make um communication more efficient Mm. um and i think also you know technology has made us think differently about creativity because you know you do have to apply creativity to those um technical uh, solutions like the one you just mentioned, um, and that's a fantastic uh, camp. That's a fantastic solution that does require you to think differently about creativity. It must be hard judging awards when you've got everything from you know uh, a, a traditional narrative to perhaps a non-traditional narrative to a technology innovation. To, you know, suddenly the old criteria is not as defined and it must leave it open to the interpretation of the judges, I guess. I think, you know, definitely when um, we're judging entries, a lot relies on the case film. It's the, the case film is still vitally important and being able to um, tell a story about uh, the success of a, of a campaign and results um, is still vitally important. I think... 
um, you know, an idea is still an idea and, and uh, you have to be able to tell that really succinctly um, and being able to communicate that quickly and easily to um, judges is still vitally important. But judges will always um, look at a campaign on the same criteria, which is, you know, uh, traditionally um, effectiveness and, um, you know, the, the creative idea and the big idea behind a campaign. Whether that's technology driven or whether that's driven, um, you know, through traditional mediums, mm. the, the the criteria is still the same. What we're doing now is looking at new categories. <clears throat> um, so you know, this year we've introduced um, some new new categories um, for entries around new realities. So AR, um, uh, VR, voice um, to account for the changing landscape in um, our industry. So those um, categories are looking at all of the new campaigns and new technology and how that new technology is driving creativity. Mm. Uh, it's interesting you should, you know, like every award show has criteria, um, but my experience and, and the uh, ECDs and CCOs, yeah, Chief Creative Officers, um, when you ask them over a drink, what, what is it the criteria that you use to judge? They go, work that I wished I'd done. It's really interesting. <laughs> That's a good criteria. Yeah. yeah, because they say, you know, in most cases, you only get to judge awards if you've won awards. That's right. So therefore, you have done the work that obviously meets the criteria, but, you know, then it's reduced to, well, gee, I wish I'd done that. Mm. Interesting. Um, the other thing is that, uh, you know, there's a lot of criticism in the industry around how, for instance, charities and not-for-profits uh, often get a greater recognition than some of the other categories such as, you know, let's say soap powder or utilities. You know, some of the more mundane categories, there's a feeling that it's much easier to be creative when it's uh, starving children or, or uh, animal abuse. But uh, that, you know, there's not necessarily an equal footing for some of the more boring categories. What do you think about that? Um, I don't know that I agree with that. I would definitely say we've seen some amazing creative ideas um, in the not-for-profit sector because the budgets are so small in that in that sector. Um, you know, those organisations and the creators working on them have had to be creative to come up with some solutions where they don't have to spend a lot of money but have the biggest impact. I mean, a great example was the Plough Pledge last mm. year, which, um, you know, was a huge winner at, at Cannes. Um, and, you know, that was a very simple idea that, w w you know, required very low cost um, to implement it. It was amplified beautifully out across social media, but it was about understanding you know, the, the um, key drivers of success and working with the government to have a simple stamp put in a passport where all tourists to, Pal to Palau would take a pledge not to damage the environment. Mm. Very, very simple, great idea um, and, and easy to execute. I think um, that's why, um, you know, it's, it's so um, celebrated because... The, the simplicity the of simplicity it, and yet of it. it was incredibly creative because it hadn't been done before. That's right. Mm. 
Um, and probably uh, bringing it closer to home. The whole idea, you know, because uh, the organisation runs Khan, and there's another award show in Latin America, isn't there? So, uh, and, then, do, and, and Spikes Asia. So we've got um, three regional award shows okay. that sit underneath Cannes. So Cannes is obviously the global award show. We've got um, Eurobest, which is a European um, award show. There's Dubai Lynx, mm-hmm. which um, is in the Middle East. And then there's Spikes Asia, which okay. is Asia Pacific. So one of the, one of the strengths of Spikes Asia is that it does focus on creativity in the region. And I bring that up because a lot of people say that um, local creative work often doesn't get recognised in global award shows. What do you think it is about uh, Asia-based work that it perhaps isn't as successful globally in award shows? I think um, there's a couple of things. I think um, agencies in this region are very much focused on local and regional award shows. Um, And I think, you know, they um, traditionally have shied away from international award shows. I think um, the way that we build campaigns in this region is very different because our consumers are very different culturally. And, you know, the diversity of culture in our region is fierce. And we are a very different region. You know, India is a very different market to Thailand, is a very different market to Indonesia, to Philippines. Um, you know, it, it's a very um, different um, customer, very different culturally. And I think, um, you know, we are a lot more conservative in this part of the world. I think there's probably um, a lot more... Um, reluctance to be brave um, from brands in this part of the world um, and you know we are very re- results driven um, so I think it comes down to um, you know being more brave um, and celebrating um, you know the differences in this region I think some people also say that um, you know judges in the international award shows don't understand um, Asian culture, and that's why they don't understand the work. Um, and I think that is true to a certain extent, but I think it also comes down to um, building an understanding in the entry of why a campaign has been built the way it has been built to connect with local audiences. And there's been you know, some, some great examples of campaigns um, that have done well in international shows from the region. But I think um, on the whole, we probably don't do a good enough job of telling the story of why the creative has been built the way it's been built mm. to suit the, the cultural nuance of this part of the world. Yeah, it's interesting because when you talk to Europeans, for instance, they go, well, you know, Europe is an incredibly diverse set of markets, you know, German, French, uh, Czech, you know, uh, whatever. But Asia is actually infinitely more diverse, isn't it? Because you know, even China, people uh, that haven't uh, experienced China will often think of it as a single market. But you could argue that it's you know thirty or forty different markets because each province, each uh, tier one, two, or three, and four city can have very different cultural nuances about it. Yes, and and that's very true. I mean, you know, China is a massive market very very diverse depending on the region there's so many different dialects India is another great example 
um, you know, very, very diverse market within a single market. Yeah, well, between North and South, it's very different. The people are very different. The attitude, the culture is quite different, isn't it? And then within the caste system, there's a difference again. And now we've got the rise of the, the you know, probably what will be the biggest middle class in the world in India yeah. is changing everything as well. There's no doubt that it's a very exciting time to be in Asia. Um, you know, there is so much happening, particularly in um, Southeast Asia, with the explosion of the middle classes in markets like Vietnam mm-hmm. um, and Indonesia and mm-hmm. Thailand. I mean, Vietnam is a really interesting market. They've got a very young um, demographic. I think 70% of the population in Vietnam is below 30. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we're seeing some really interesting um, campaigns coming out of Vietnam. There's a lot of brands moving into that market because they can see the power of not only the audience size, but the younger generation um, who all of a sudden, you know, getting smartphones, getting PayPal accounts, which allows them to shop online. And all of a sudden the world is, is opening up to them. Um, and I think, you know, uh, my vision for Spikes um, coming on as the new festival director is for Spikes to be that platform for Asia. You know, I'm very much about supporting Asian creativity. Um, and I want to use Spikes as the platform to help the region do better internationally and mm. perform better at international award shows um, and, uh, you know, celebrate the great talent that we've got from this region um, and try and educate, um, you know, everyone from account execs working in agencies to CMOs on the brand side and CEOs in agencies of how do we do better um, on the international stage and how do we promote Asian creativity um, better so we can perform well on the international stage. Yeah, um, you know, because I think there's a recognition there that because of the cultural differences and the, the, the very unique and peculiar aspects of different markets, there is a belief, and, and probably true, you know, we talk about Madison Avenue as the home of advertising and then there's the London advertising uh, view of the world. In a way, it's a bit like the movie industry. You know, there's Hollywood, but India's managed to create a whole new category, which is Bollywood. You know, and so you rarely, rarely see Bollywood films winning an Academy Award. It will under the foreign film category, but it's almost like you have to change or frame it so that it's appearing in a and a recognition that it's very separate. Yet. Bollywood films will often be financially more successful and infinitely more popular. So if you measure it on commercial success, you know, it should be winning awards anyway. I'm just wondering if we need to reframe the concept of um, creativity, whether we need to recognise that, like the film industry, there's many different ways of making a film and telling a story that is deeply embedded in the culture. Or do we acknowledge that it is a very Anglo-Celtic um, uh, approach, very transatlantic, and that that's the way to do it? I think there's definitely um, a myth that only big brands and big agencies can win awards. Um, and we've got a lot of data through you know, 65 years of running festivals that show um, that... Um, you know, there's plenty of smaller brands and, and independent agencies that have won big awards. Um, I think you're right. We do need to create 
um, opportunities for um, regional work to be recognised in their own right. Um, and this year we're launching a number of new categories in our award show um, that, um, that will award work um, in single market campaigns, campaigns on a smaller budget, um, and um, culture and um, culture and context. Mm -hmm. So that will give um, brands and agencies within this region um, more opportunities to get recognised within their own segment. Because I personally think it's really interesting when you see a piece of work that you may not have experienced because you're not from that market. But I remember there was one uh, and it was to do with either contraception, yeah, I think it was contraception in China. But the case that they presented was the fact, you know, this is incredibly taboo amongst university students and yet here was the problem and they had a whole interesting way of dealing with it and still work within the cultural constraints of, of that particular campaign. That's, from my perspective, is really enlightening. I just wonder sometimes if a system that is sets a sort of particular view of the world, whether there's a bias in the process, and I'm not talking about any, just generally, that could be working against those differences. Because it would be almost ironic, because the idea of creativity is to be different. And yet, if you actually had within the system a hidden bias that was working against the differences, that would be crazy, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'd, look, I, I wouldn't say that, that um, you know, we uh, experience any bias in our juries. I mean, we have a very robust jury selection process to make sure that we're not biased towards any one particular market or, or country. Um, and definitely, you know, jury teams, particularly um, at Spikes, um, and also can have got a really diverse range of judges. Perspectives, um, yeah. But, and, and that comes with, you know, very different perspectives. And, you know, we've also got an even mix of, of male and female juries to try and even out those, those biases. Of course, bias is always going to exist, but that's why you have robust debate in those jury rooms. So, um, you know, the, the, the bias is evened out. Mm. No, look, I, you know, I think it's interesting because so much of the industry looks towards these major awards because it really does set, one, a tone of the year, you know, the best work of the year. In, years, in 20 years' time, people will look back on Spikes Asia Award winners for 2019, and that will be almost like a time capsule of where advertising creativity was. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, people look at, um, you know, the trends in advertising from an award show like Cannes and like Spikes and, looks, and you know, they look at the major themes um, to... to um, you know, as guidance of how they should be building their campaigns. You know, for example, um, politics was a huge theme this year um, in Cannes, as was experience and humanity. Um, and I think, you know, uh, a lot of brands are now looking at how they can take a political stance for their brand to connect with an audience and align values um, of the organisation with their audience. So I think people do take cues from those themes from, from Cannes. And also, you know, they want to understand um, from our festivals, from the content they see on the stages, what's next? What's the, what's the next big um, emerging trend um, in, in our industry that they should be looking for 
um, and uh, being aware of when they're building their um, campaigns and, and um, connecting with consumers. Because that, that is the point, isn't it? It is a festival of creativity. It's not just an award show. That's right. Because you you have uh, the days of you know um, presentations and workshops and things, but you also have a training component as well, don't you? There's a lot of different facets to uh, CAN now, and we're starting to employ the same um, formats in Spikes. So there's our training academies for under 30s mm -hmm. um, in agencies. There's our young um, Lions uh, and young Spikes competitions, which are really, really um, valuable for recognising and, and nurturing up-and-coming talent in agencies. We've also got a very um, full agenda for marketers. So we've got... Um, our Marketing Growth Council um, at Cannes this year will also look at replicating that um, at Spikes. Another really successful program that we've um, developed in the last couple of years is See It Be It, which is our um, um, female empowerment program supporting uh, women in creative roles. So there's a lot of different facets to the festivals um, other than just the award shows. You know, Spikes has got three days of content over four different stages. Um, Can is, you know, an infinite... I think there's um, uh, 120 sessions um, uh, across the whole program. Like, it's it's vast. So there's um, a lot more to it than just awards. Mm. And yet uh, it's award shows that seem to draw a lot of media attention. I know, you know, Can and Spikes uh, does get a lot of media attention about the content. But uh, I read somewhere that there's 700 award shows for advertising globally. There's a lot of award shows. Um, it's, it must be one of the uh, challenges is to constantly, one, remain relevant, two, to be popular, because you, you know, that's the, the competition is part of it, and, um, and for it to really be driving the industry because it has to make some sort of contribution, doesn't it? That's right. And I think, um, you know, you, you have to have a purpose and you have to um, uh, stand for something um, over and above just, hey, we're going to do an award show. I think, you know, the, the, the biggest uh, piece of feedback we get for Cannon Spikes is that, you know, we're difficult to win and, you know, we're unapologetically difficult to win because... We are the highest accolade for creativity um, in Asia Pacific mm. and can from a global perspective. You know, we um, there's plenty of award shows that are easy to win, and there's a lot of examples of that. Um, you know, for example, we don't have any um, uh, minimum amounts of awards that we will give out each year at Spikes or Can. You know, we will only award great work, whereas other award shows. Um, you know, I've judged them before and they say, we need to give out five golds in this category. Well, that's not the case with Cannon Spikes. And I think the industry recognises that, that if you want the recognition of, of um, the best in the industry, which is Spikes and Can, then, you know, you have to um, submit great work and you have to have work that is of the right calibre. Mm. Now, um, a lot of people might think you have the cushiest job in the industry because uh, spikes only happens once a year. What are you doing the rest of the year? I, I, I mean, no, wait, so it's four days, <laughs> three days. What? There's 361 days. What are you doing, Joe? <laughs> I, um, I did ask myself the same question when I started in this job and 
um, you know, I, I am busy year round. So my focus is very much about um, outside of just bikes. It's about working with the industry um, to uh, help promote creativity. I do a lot of guest speaking on creativity. Um, I work with a lot of the big agency groups on um, running workshops on, on helping them to um, put together better award submissions. Mm-hmm. How do they um, improve the talent within their organization to um, build an awards culture? Um, plus there is a lot of logistical um, elements involved in my role um, to actually put on this show. Um, we're always looking for great sponsors um, to partner with us to help build that delegate experience. We're always talking to um, agency groups and brands and adjacent creatives about content. Um, there's the logistical organisational side of the festival um, and then there's also our awards categories. Um, you know, I think one of the, one of the, the um, things that I really wanted this role to be when I came on board was to be very market facing and I spend the majority of my time in market talking to people making sure that the awards we organize the content that they see on our stages um, and um, you know the the show that we put on is relevant for the region and we you know put on a show that the industry wants and that is not something that you can organize by just you know going to a venue and putting up a couple of trade stands and getting a few speakers it's a lot of hard work to understand the industry and understand what the industry is demanding um, and give them a show that's relevant to them that will keep them coming back mm. so it's not quite 24 7 365 but damn close <laughs> you do have holiday don't you <laughs> Around Christmas time, yes. <laughs> I thought maybe straight after the festival. <laughs> no, straight after the festival, we're straight back into it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. It's interesting because uh, I mistakenly earlier thought that you had a version for Latin America. And the reason is, I just realised, is that Brazil particularly, as a market, does very well in international award shows, don't they? They do. They perform very, very well. There's so they almost don't need their own up. because they do very well in every other award show. I think what's interesting is in a market like Brazil, there's a, a talent drain out of Brazil because there is so many great creatives that come out of that country. A lot of those um, great creatives um, always seem to head to New York and uh, London. Um, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, you know, I think it's a big challenge for those markets. Mm. Um, but yes, there, is, there, is, there seems to be an imbalance of the level of creativity that comes out of those markets. Mm. Well, let's, uh, let's hope that the continuing work and uh, the role of Spikes Asia will uh, start to lift the recognition of, um, of Asia creative or creativity in Asia. Yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely my aim. And that's definitely, uh, you know, the, the vision for Spikes and the purpose that I see for our brand is to be that platform to support creativity and talent in the region. Mm. Look, uh, thanks for uh, making time, uh, Joe. It's been terrific uh, sitting down and having a chat. No worries. Thanks, Darren. And uh, just before I go, uh, come on, tell me, who's going to win Agency of the Year this year? <laughs>